Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Eleventh of February, nineteen ten. An icy rush of air, a freezing slipstream on the newly exposed skin. She is, with no warning, outside the inside, and the familiar wet tropical world has suddenly evaporated, exposed to the elements, a prawn peeled, a nut shelled. No breath. All the world come down to this. One breath. Little lungs, like dragonfly wings, failing to inflate in the foreign atmosphere. No wind in the strangled pipe, the buzzing of a thousand bees in the tiny curled pearl of an ear. Panic. Good. She's uh, born. Welcome to the world, Ursula Todd. Welcome to the world, and welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club. Nicely done. The podcast that is curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Every episode, we like to take a book out into the wild to see if the world of fiction matches up with the real world. Hello, my name is Tim Wright. I'm a digital writer and a producer of immersive fiction. Uh, my name is Lloyd Shepherd. I'm a digital product manager and a novelist. And a novelist, and we are discussing a novel. We are discussing a novel. Well, we do that every I episode. Know. We are discussing Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. Yes, uh, published in 2013. 2013, so, indeed, yes. yes. So a, a um, year before Lister Evans's Crooked Heart. A year before Lister Evans's Crooked Heart, which is the first book we did in this, this sort of trilogy. Uh, we've also done The Night Watch by Sarah Waters. Yes. The running theme really is Second World War novels set in and around London. And written by by women authors. Yes. Uh, we didn't Niche. really set out with that theme. That's kind of where we ended up. Mm. I think of the three books that we've done, this is probably the most widely read. It was a worldwide bestseller. Yes. And very it was a BBC writer. drama as well. And it was, a, I thought, a very good BBC drama, if if it was slightly too faithful to the book, but I thought it was it was It was, it was interesting. Sorry? It was interesting. It was interesting. As is the book, because, again, a bit like with Sarah Wood, it's got a very interesting structure. Very interesting structure. So basically, the story of the book is the main character, Ursula Todd, is born and dies, is born and dies, is born and dies. And basically, she gets, that's why it's called Life After Life. Every time she dies, she's reborn. And every time she's reborn, the world changes slightly, often because of what she's doing. And uh, the book opens with her killing Hitler or, yes. or, or attempting to kill Hitler. It's well, that's interesting, it. isn't it? So it's, every time she has another go at life, she has a sort of slightly preternatural kind of uh, instinct to know not to die this time in the same way. Well, she kind of remembers her previous lives. That's sort the, of, in a hazy the, kind of way. That's the, uh, that's the that's So the she trick. knows not to go swimming when she drowns, and she that's knows right. not to yeah. let people into the house who've, yeah. who've got Spanish flu and yeah. things like that. So, so it covers a lot of ground. It starts in 1910. It finishes, I mean, it finishes in the 60s, right? Yeah. Um, Although uh, I noticed an interview that Kate Atkinson actually said that it, that it spans from the beginning of World War to, to the end of the Second World War. She doesn't mention... She actually doesn't think about it ending in the 60s. No. Interesting, it's kind of isn't weird, it? isn't it? It is quite weird. So we're going to go to two main locations, two main areas. Yes. One is we're going to try and find Fox Corner. Yes, which, which is, is the, the family home the of family the Todds. Home of the Todds. So Ursula is the third child? 
She's the third child She's after Morris and Pamela. Morris and Pamela. And then, and then there's then, Teddy and Jimmy. Teddy and Jimmy, the little two little golden boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their parents are... Hugh and Sylvie. Hugh and Sylvie. He's a banker. Yeah. And then the other big character is her aunt, Izzy. Izzy. Who's quite rich and a bit... Quite flighty. Well, she's sort of a classic a sort of 20s, she's a uh, bright young thing, yeah. I'd say. We had some good fun trying to find down Fox Corner. It's never identified exactly where it is in the oh, book, but we, we had, had some a, fun had with that. Time, yeah. And then in the second episode, we're going to come into London and we're going to track down some of the locations where Ursula's living yes. in Kensington. We're also going to go to Shelmex House, where there's a key scene. Yes. Uh, and uh, we're going to end up in the Glassblowers on Glasshouse Street. Which, which is where we ended up in, the in Day, Day of the, the Triffids. So it all, all ties together. It's in, weird, isn't it? Now, the, yeah, the curiously specific sort of story verse is uh, starting story to take verse. shape. It's starting to take shape. It's coming into vivid relief. Yeah. So uh, should we take the train out from Marlebone? We should. To Sear Green and Jordan's in Buckinghamshire. They spent their honeymoon in France, a delightful Kanzen in Deauville, before settling in semi-rural bliss near Beaconsfield, in a house that was vaguely Lutyens in style. It had everything one could ask for, a large kitchen, a drawing room with the French windows onto the lawn, a pretty morning room and several bedrooms waiting to be filled with children. There was even a little room at the back of the house for Hugh to use as a study. Ah, my growlery, he laughed. It was surrounded at a discreet distance by similar houses. There was a meadow and a copse and a bluebell wood beyond with a stream running through it. The train station, no more than a halt, would allow Hugh to be at his banker's desk in less than an hour. Sleepy Hollow, Hugh laughed as he gallantly carried Sylvie across the threshold. I hear the pigeons cooing. You can hear the pigeons cooing. And the, uh, the, the thrum of the Range Rover as it approaches the golf club. There was, there was a very Beaconsfield sound. We're near Beaconsfield. Of a, of a large car approaching the very well-appointed golf club, which we're not allowed into. Ugh. There's a locked gate. Where are we're, we actually, we're actually sitting, would you believe it, we're actually sitting at a train station. We are. But you could, it feels like we could be in a field. It's very rural. It's very rural, it's very beautiful, and we're only, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes out of London Marlebone Station? Yeah. yeah. We are sitting in a station called... Sear Green and Jordan's. Yes. An odd name, isn't it? It's an odd name. Well, there's two places. There's Sear Green and, and Jordan's. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You know, it was very good. Say what you see. And uh, <laughs> they're basically two villages that are just, just near the station. Two rails. Very, very small station. Very much like Holt, in fact. Indeed. We're here because we think this is a candidate for the key location in Life After Life, the unnamed village where Fox Corner is located. So there's a few signals as to sort of whereabouts it could be. Yes. There's the commuting signal. So she talks about being able to get to London in less than an hour. Yes. It mentions uh, Beaconsfield. Which is near Beaconsfield, which and I think in the book they do take the train to Beaconsfield and also to High Wycombe when she when she's uh, uh, she, learning to do shorthand. She takes the train to High Wycombe, which is also on this line. Yeah, we'll talk more about the train line. I think in the studio, or do you, we can. Yeah, no, I'm keen for you to talk about trains. <laughs> Very keen. I, I've been obsessing. Obviously, about, I've been every obsessing time. About where I'm this, so keen. Where this halt is. Can't I, know you, you, I know you love trains. Can't, can't you feel my enthusiasm? Yeah. For that studio session where you talk about trains. Yeah. Again. Do you want to know a bit about Sear Green and Jordans? Yeah, go on. This station, actually, I don't think it was built until 1907 or something like that. Yeah, the stations along this line, well, we'll talk about the line. The whole line actually didn't open until about 1907, 1908. And it was built specifically to service the golf club. Yeah. Because the landowner here was the Dupre family. Yeah who live in Wilton Park, of which I'd like to say a little bit about in a minute. And the, the part of the deal with Dupre was that he gave the land for the station as long as it had a stop for the golf club. And it was only later, and then Jordan's wasn't really a village at that point, it was Sear Green, and Jordan's was sort of grow. that was when it grew, because there was a train station here. And it was only through his laissez majesté that he allowed the villagers of Jordan's to use his golf club. Uh, stop. So this is the the quintessence of your uh, your golf <laughs> golf phobia. 
Well, writ large, right? It, I mean, there's not one mention of golf in this book, which is extraordinary given how much... The word golf does not appear. When we go walking around here, it's, it's just all golf. golf. It's, it's golf, all golf central, isn't it's it? Golf. Bankers and golf. Anyway, one of the candidates, what I'm interested in is that we tried to get off the train and go... I wanted to go off towards the golf course. Yes. Of course, the door's locked. You're not allowed in. There's a big gate. Members only. You're only allowed out of the station one way. So they're still, in fact... Uh, but, there, can, but there is a direct entrance from the golf course onto the station, which is unusual, right? Uh, yes, but you with need a, to know with the pin codes, code, don't you? With a pin code for the golfers. Well, <laughs> that, it, that whole thing just... Already annoyed. Uh, yeah, but so English. Yeah. So bloody southern counties English. Yeah. If you did get out on the golf course side, there is a single sort of road up to one rather lovely house up yeah. there, which I researched and found that it was called Wheatsheaf Farm. Now, if we were making a film instead of a podcast, we could phone up the owners of Wheatsheaf Farm because they rent it out for film shoots through silversteinlocations.com. And it's got lots of lovely pictures of this house. It's quite a good candidate. Apart from from the fact there aren't any other houses around it. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that counts against it. Then if we're looking for a sort of grand hall near it, the only place is, as I mentioned, the Dupre family, is this Wilton Park estate. Now, the, well, one of the things that interests me about this, I don't imagine the author had thought about when thinking about this part of the world, that Wilton Hall from 1939 was used as an interrogation centre for senior Nazi prisoners of war. An interrogation centre? An interrogation centre. Wow. And including Rudolf Hess was interrogated there. So after he... Here comes another train. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I like, I like the train. I, I like the vibe here. So that one's going to Oxford. So that one's going to Oxford. See, none of them stop here. No. They all just speed through. No, it's very interesting. So in 1939, when they're, they're saying the mum's doing chickens and it's all very remote and they've all come away from the war, they're not away from the war, mate. They're not away from the war because no. Rudolf Hess is living next door. <laughs> and then, do you know what? After the war, till 1946 to 49, four and a half thousand Germans were housed at Wilton Park, right? Four and a half thousand? Yeah. For denazification. Wow. For a re education programme. Wow. Learning how to be English. What I was going to say is, was, go- was golf part of this programme? Golf part of it. Can you imagine local pubs around here? Hello, old boy. Fancy a pint? So, during quite a lot of this book, this place was teeming with Germans. Yeah. Always another train, mate. Hold on to your hats. Busy little line, this, isn't it? Yeah. So we were we were a bit puzzled as to whether Kate Atkinson would have been in this part of the world because she's from Yorkshire originally, isn't she? She, 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 she lives born in Edinburgh in now. Yeah, in 1951. So why get involved in the stockbroker belt? Seemed a bit puzzled, doesn't it? It does seem a bit puzzling. I mean, I think her attitude towards research is quite interesting and I wonder whether that's all part of it. It's oh, almost ahead. like sticking a pin in a map kind of going on here, I think. Oh. She said um, on this book, she said, I did a lot of reading over the course of a year and then put it all to one side because it's easy to get obsessed by research. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand your point. You've got to remember that it's fiction, it's a novel, and you're making it up. Okay? <laughs> you're even allowed to make up things that maybe should be facts. You have to be cautious because you're dealing with something that really happened. Absolutely. It's real life. I think it was Rose Tremaine who was on the radio, and the interview asked her, oh, you must do so much research. And she said, I'm sure it's her, I don't think I'm misquoting her, that for every fact she researched, she made one up. Right, and I think say. that's such a good rule of thumb. So I haven't made up facts particularly, but you make up context because you have to make up a story. Now, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that sets her up, sets us up quite well for this. But podcast. if I was taking her quite literally now, I'm thinking. So did she just say that every other thing she says is therefore <laughs> yeah, made so, up? So if we go through the list, so of, now we can go through the book list that of way. facts. <laughs> if we go through the facts in the book, half and of them are made up. Everything between them is made up. So okay. I think the selection of. I mean, we both felt when we were going around the Buckinghamshire. And also the scenes in Kensington were a bit like, why has she set it here? Yeah. What's the rationale? Yeah. There's a, there is some rationale for the Kensington scenes. The Buckinghamshire one is even 
we'll get on to trains, Tim, later on. Good. Uh, the Buckinghamshire one is really even weirder when you when you start talking about the trains. Yeah. I mean, I, I find her very interesting. I was listening to her Desert Island Discs yesterday. Oh, so was I. And she's obviously quite, she keeps quite a lot of stuff to herself. She's quite a... A bit of a closed book. I mean, she, she talks about how Ursula goes to a therapist, doesn't she? She goes to a psychiatrist. Yes, she does. And I found this quote from KX, and I did go to a psychiatrist, but he was leaving the following week, and then this ginger, rather squat gestalt practitioner, asked me what I'd like him to do, and I thought, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> I'd love to have three sessions a week of intense psychotherapy where they delve deep, but I'd want Donald Winnicott himself, someone who's cleverer and funnier than me, who I thought was wonderful and would get the heart of me. Therapy would go into corners of myself I hadn't explored and expand my writing. Maybe it would wash you cl- too clean, the writer suggests, or I find there's nothing there, she says. Wow. So I listened to Desert Island Discs yeah. as well. And given what you've just said, it didn't come as much surprise to me that she loves Leonard Cohen. She does love Leonard Cohen. She said he's like... Are you, are you talking, you're going to say there's nothing there with Leonard Cohen? You're going to, are you on the <laughs> Leonard Cohen massive fraud side of the fence? She says in that, he's a much better poet than Dylan. And also she says, he's like a guru to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but I would just say the idea that she likes gloomy music, I was thinking, of course she does. Well, you say she likes gloomy music. Her first two tracks on that were In the Mood and Wake Up Little Susie. So. They were, well, well, In the Mood was her dad's favourite track. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't her favourite track. Well, uh, yeah, Wake Up Little Susie was the first record she ever bought. The other thing she says is she doesn't take any notes. Did you hear that? No. Well, she's quite clever, isn't she? I How does she, she keep all this stuff in her head without taking any notes? Got, for life after life, it'd be a, a, a weird if you didn't have a massive chart, surely. I, I, I agree. To try and keep track of... i made of, one. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. When, when she dies, when she comes back, what happens yeah, in each yeah. life. It's amazing. It's quite complicated, Well, maybe for it? her, the, the, the manuscript is, is, the, is the notes, is the chart. And then you've read the subsequent book. There's a called a God, God in, in Ruins. God in Ruins. Which, which she is about, says is a superior book, and I, I think I would agree. Right. And um, that, that's a follow-up, isn't it? It's about... It's a follow-up about jimmy it's about teddy. the brother teddy the brother teddy, yeah and it's it, it's uh it's fantastic you can't talk about it without giving something away i gather um about you can't really talk life. about the story of a god in ruins without i think giving something away about life after life okay the ending's very interesting of life after life but i think if you read a god in ruins yeah as a as a very interesting ending as yeah. well you kind of makes you think a bit more about life after life well isn't that interesting that, what you just read said. it tim yeah, I was going to say, you're making, listener, I'm hoping we're making you want to read this book because it is very interesting. Because also, it starts out, frankly, as a book about, oh, what if somebody had killed Hitler before he got famous? Well, that's where she started out. That to me is a really boring kind of thing that you talked about when you were about 15. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. Well, I think she gets interested in the characters and in essentially the character of Ursula. Yeah. And she says she was worried that she was losing control of it because she was spending so much time on, you know, she started off as a, a book about, essentially about the war, you know, yeah. what if we killed Hitler? But then she spends more and more time in the 1910s and the 1920s. She does. Uh, well, and as if to, that's a good segue into the fact that we're wandering around Sear Green looking for Fox Corner. Yeah. A huge amount of this book takes place in Fox in Corner, Fox not, Corner. In, not in London. Yeah. And that's well, we why walk, we're going to dedicate we this part of the station show to that. And uh, had a good walk around Sear Green. So there's two places, Sear Green and Jordan's. Yeah. So I think we're going to Sear Green next, right? We're in the woods. We're in the woods. We're in the woods with the. I think there was uh, rain. Yeah. And uh, bird song and the distant sound of train. She's born in a place called Fox Corner, which is very um, kind of Howard's End, my ideal English. <laughs> <laughs> if I'd been born into the upper middle class in 1910 in England, I would be living in Fox Corner. And, uh, and that's the place that she's always born. So in a sense, she's always returning to this ideal English place. And that's the thing that she's fighting for. I think that's the thing that's important. Although she's, you know, it's, a, it's about love. It's about the love for her brother as well. But really, it's Fox Corner that represents England. And that's, that's the place that becomes very poignant, I think, for her. If she stood on a chair and looked out, something they were all expressly forbidden to do, she could see Sylvie and her friends on the lawn below, their dresses fluttering like moths in the encroaching dusk. Hugh stood at the back gate, waiting to escort them along the lane to the station. Sometimes Bridget walked the children to the station to meet their father off the train when he came home from work. 
Morris said he might be an engine driver when he was older, or he might become an Antarctic explorer like Sir Ernest Shackleton. Or perhaps he would simply become a banker like his father. I like Morris as a Do character. Do you like Morris? Well, he, I like him as a character. He's supposed to like Morris. He's odious, isn't he's he? He's so odious. But it's brilliant. He's he's so very, brilliant he's even his parents don't love him or like him. You know, he's, yeah. just, he's just that guy. He actually kills his sister at one point, doesn't he? Or twice. Well, he's, he's just an awful just person, an awful, isn't he? Awful person. And, and then the idea that he ends up with a knighthood, of course. Yeah, of course. Again, of perfectly course. British. Very good, very good. English, I should say. So we're in the woods, so we're in Sear Green. Is there a train there? We've just walked up from the train station along through Moor Woods. Through a long little path. And then we walked along what would have been a lane back in the day, which is absolutely packed to the gills with multi-million pound houses. They were amazing. Some of which were quite old. Yes. Late 19th century, early 20th century, I would say. And some of which were more recent. It looks like the people who owned those late 19th century, early 20th century houses sold off some of their land so they could build another house and sell it off. There's probably two or three times as many houses along that lane as there would have been in 1900, shall we say. But it's interesting, the, isn't it, that you, go, you come off the station and you go straight into a wood and quite a narrow little path yeah. down a hill and then you come out and it's suddenly Bankerville. It's suddenly Bankerville. I would imagine we're solidly in the green belt here, right? I would have thought so. I mean, there's a golf course, for Christ's sake. <laughs> so uh, it's very good, isn't it? As I a, think as a potential walk... location. The very Fox Cornery. A lot. I mean, we saw about, I would say, a dozen houses that could have been Fox Corner. I agree. My, the only thing, as you mentioned, was that sh- they talk about it being in a Lutyens style. They do. And then I looked up Lutyens, and he didn't really get going till the mid-1890s in terms of building these kinds of houses. I think you said he opened his practice in 1896. Well, I think he, his first collaboration with Gertrude Jekyll, where they start doing the country house type style thing, yeah. is in the 1890s. It's a bit jarring, that, isn't it? Because Well, they need um, to be saying that they, they moved up here and bought a kind of new build, a sort of knockoff of a Lutyens, <laughs> yeah. right? Would there would have been knockoff Lutyens around? Well, so if they moved, we, we were trying to work out when they would have moved here. So Ursula's born in 1910. Yeah. But she's the third child. Yeah. Morris is. He's the oldest. Seven or eight years older than her. Yeah, definitely. Pamela's four or five years older than her. Mm-hmm. So they probably moved here in about 1900. So to say you're in a Lotchian-style house in 1900... Yeah, near a railway station. It feels a little bit... No railway station. Near a rail station that hasn't opened yet. <laughs> no Lotchian-style house. So <laughs> apart from that, it's perfect. You're listening to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations. If you want to hear the next episode of this podcast right away rather than waiting for a week and without any ads, you need to check out our Patreon page. Yes, for just £2, two of your English pounds, you can get early access to part two of every episode and you can get it without ads. And on top of that, you get bonus material. You yeah. get uh, photographs from our field trips. You get videos. Um, most importantly, you get maps. Yeah, I, I'm drawing the map. You're drawing time. the map for this one. So this so will be a good map. It will be a good map. You also get half the maps are a bit shit because I'm doing them. They're uh, functional. I like them. And for £5, you can join the community, a small community, but yeah. thriving, of people who talk on a Discord server about books we might do in the future. Yeah. And books um, in general. About field trips. And they just talk to each other about books yeah. and locations and dates. It's yeah. fun. Should we head back to uh, the podcast? Now back to the podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We, f- we felt we were getting into the right place, didn't we? We were starting to feel like we might be on the, the right track. The vibe was right. The vibe was definitely right. Tracking and the houses were right. Fox Corner. But as we just discussed, we're not that confident about Kate Atkinson's research well, when I say her ability to be curiously specific to the, to the precise degree. Well, I, I wouldn't say about her ability. I would say her interest in being Her interest. Specific. She's got no interest in I it. think she could... Be. And now I realise, of course, that we get to see a green and we, we've got some idea about a station. And then obviously the next thing she'll say, she'll make it up before we get to the next fact. So it's yeah. going to be quite hard to it's find a, this it's place, It's hard isn't to it? get purchase. Very different experience to doing the Nightwatch where the research was right on Bang the money. On. Right on the money. Bang on. Everything was where you expected it to be. Compare be, uh, and contrast, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Different different interests and controls, it's interesting I would say. to me that this book was published in 2013. Yes. We, we like to talk about the, the world that this book came out into because it might be relevant. There are three movies came out in that year that I think are quite relevant. One is About Time. Oh, God, I can't stand that film. It's a terrible film, oh, isn't it's it? Awful. It's awful. It's about manipulative, abusive it's patriarchal a rape, it's society. A rape fantasy. Abusing. It's really, it's it's not nice. I don't like it it's at all. It's not a rom com. <laughs> it's, it's it's much it's, darker. It's got and some upset. It's basically about the I'm wh- not sure white I male able, fantasies. I'm not control. sure I was able to finish it. You know, it's a, it's an appalling film. Yeah, don't watch it. Don't watch but it. it is about playing with time and going back and having another go at things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it is. interesting that it's in the air. The second one is um, the world's end. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which, if you remember that, it's the third in the trilogy of whatever they call the Shaun Cornetto, of the Dead the and Cornetto films. Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Now, in the world's end, at the end, what happens? I can't remember. Oh, well, they, they basically go on a pub crawl and discover that they go back to their old village and they discover that their village is, that all the human beings have been replaced by... By aliens. By robots. Oh, robots. Yeah. Uh, androids. Yeah. That's right. But then at the end... They blow up the whole place and start civilization again and have another go. And then they, they sort of make their peace with who's an android and who isn't and all that kind of thing. Very good. So it's another story about a restart of what if you could have yeah. your life again and going yeah, back yeah. and trying again. And also even the whole beginning is about older men going back and trying to recreate their 16-year-old pub crawl or their 18-year-old pub crawl. Nice. The last one, of course, is Frozen, is the big film. <laughs> God, was that 2013? Was that yeah. long ago? Yeah, God, the lyrics of that. I mean, in, in let it go. Yeah, but life after life is every time she dies, it snows. Every she's born into snow, into a frozen oh. world. Right? Let it. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal. Don't feel. <laughs> wow, wow, very good. I picked out a couple of twenty thirteen things. Yeah, echoes of the book. Rather tragically, Reva Steenkamp died. Who? Reva Steenkamp, Oscar Pistorius's girlfriend. Oh, shot oh. shot through a door. There's a abs- I think an absolutely superb and chilling section in, the, in Life After Life about domestic abuse. That's really, 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 really chilling. There's a Pink Floyd event in 2013. Oh, I missed this. You see? Do you know this? No. Storm Thorgerson died. Oh, yes. So no more covers. No more covers. Because he designed the covers for yeah. all the big... So our Pink, uh, Pink Floyd, Floyd universe continues. And not related to any of this stuff, but obviously uh, the most important and the most tragic event of 2013, Alex Ferguson retired. Oh, yes. Nothing to do with the book. Yeah. Kate would have no interest in this. There's no mention of football. You said there's no mention of golf. There's, there's no, no mention of football. football. There's, there's no, no mention of... Oh, no, uh, somebody plays sports. Oh, there is a mention of football. 
Jimmy's football goes under the rhododendrons or whatever. And it's, oh, yes. And it's quite a big deal as yes, to whether it it's lost or whether it's found. And that's, that's, that, that leads to the Howie encounter, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Or yeah. not. So the there is a football be. reference. Yeah. Yes, there is a football so, reference. Uh, so that's what I, I mean. Uh, lots of deaths. Margaret Thatcher died in 2013. Well, that's the big one, isn't it? Ian Banks died as well. Which is Ding dong, the witch is dead. No, I think the big one is probably Lou Reed, isn't it? Oh, Lou Reed. Well, actually, I think the big one is Michael Winner. Michael Winner died? Yes. I'll be coming on to him later. Okay. Yeah. Michael Winner, of course, who was uh, one of the key protagonists in our um, Dirty Weekend podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was interested in this. So there's about the deaths. Because of this business about if you die, then you come back again and there's yeah. a different version. Yeah. So does that mean that we live the one version where Thatcher dies then, but yeah. then she gets reborn and comes back as something else? Do you know what I mean? Where are, you going? Where, where are you going with this? Well, she comes back as something else. I think else. it's all related. Like Liz that, that for 2013, it would be quite interesting to say this because basically, if you if you think right that basically Thatcher dies, and then it's a reset. Yeah. In the same year, Prince George is born. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so a whole load of. A whole load of things go wrong, right? And the, and the thing is that if if Thatcher hadn't died then that year, Andy Murray would never have won Wimbledon. No, that's true. So we've probably lived the best version. Yeah, and Lou think. Reed would still be with us. And Lou Reed would still be with us. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, who Leonard Cohen had died. Uh, Leonard Cohen had died. <laughs> now, my final point is the last thing. Did you know that Grace Jones died that year? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you're going to have to explain that one. Okay, not that Grace Jones. I'm pretty sure I saw Grace Jones live that year at Latitude or something. Oh, that's a different universe, you see. Yeah, yeah. You were in a different universe yeah, yeah. at that point. Yeah, obviously. No, it is not that Grace Jones. But I think it's salient to say it was Grace Jones who was at that point the UK's oldest citizen. Oh, right. She was 113. Yeah. So, in fact... She was born in 1910. Well, no, she's, she's the last person in the UK, who was born in the 1800s. It's born 1899. Yeah. After that, there's nobody left living who has any memory, wow. living memory of the wow. 1800s. Wow. So, again, I think that's quite interesting in terms of the, yeah. a book that comes out that's starting to talk about the 20th century history and reliving it and rethinking yeah. it, yeah. is there's nobody around who can do that about the 1800s? No. For some, this was a day for hats. It comes this out for... This Thatcher funeral hat. That's it? right. It yes. came out for the um, Olympics. Yes. And now it's out for, in respect for Mrs T. And I met her once, a long, long time ago. So it gives you a sense of connection. She wouldn't have forgotten your hat. <laughs> <laughs> Red rose for a blue lady. Unfortunately, I didn't have a blue rose. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but not everyone was here in tribute. I'm deeply red and black. Red and black. Yes, I'm an anarchist. There was a fate once more in the grounds of Etringham Hall. The Daunts had gone after a thousand years, Lady Daunt never having recovered from the murder of little Angela, and the hall was now owned by a rather mysterious man, a Mr Lambert, who some said was Belgian. Some Scottish, but no one had had a long enough conversation with him to discover his origins. Rumour said he had made his fortune during the war, everyone reported him shy and difficult to talk to. You're saying that with a lot of menace. Well, so we're standing on a footpath on just outside Jordan's village. Yeah. On our right is a large fence behind which is a house called Welder's House. Welder's House? Welder's House. Okay. So I've been trying to find a candidate for Etringham Hall. Yes. Which is the, the large hall on the estate. Well, and I'm... I'm, I'm I'm going with my first first pass, the, the Dupre family home now. The Dupre family home, which I think is probably probably good. I mean, yeah. there is a description of it being on a, at the end of a very long drive of cedars. Ah. So okay. I don't think it's Welder's house because that doesn't have a long drive of cedars. So why have you brought us here? Well, because it was too good not to. Right? Okay. So Welder's house, grade two listed house, built between 1898 and 1899. So time, okay, is quite, good. time is quite good for us. The governors of St Luke's Hospital for Lunatics bought it okay. in 1910, and it's a 100-acre estate. The farm was sold to the Religious Society of Friends, and the house operated as a convalescent home for women with mild nervous maladies Oh, from 1911 to 1916. 
Oh, which suits Ursula very well. It does suit Ursula because Ursula has some maladies. Yes. One of her maladies might be thought to be a sense of um, people out to get her. Paranoia. Uh, paranoia. She's a little bit paranoid, which is appropriate because in 1993 it was bought by Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, my goodness. You brought us So to this your... is the UK residence of Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne. Still? Still. Oh. <laughs> and it's been, it's been there. They've been in there since 1993. Look at you. And the new series of the Osbournes, they're, they're, move, they're moving back to England. They're going to do it here? Well, I'm assuming they're doing it here at Wilder's House. You found a heavy metal connection. I found a heavy metal connection to Life After Life. Congratulations. <laughs> I thought um, you were going to say, because I was thinking, gosh, so we've got sort of like denazified Nazis on one side yeah. and then lunatic women on the other. The lunatic women on the other. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. Neither of which are mentioned. Really. The house was chosen by Sharon Osbourne yeah. due to its extreme distance from any pubs. <laughs> That's not true, though. There's two in Sears Green. We just walked, we Jolly just, cricketers. We just walked about, about you know. I'm sorry, Sharon, but he just has to come out the front gate. Deluded. Mile up the road, and he's got two pubs to choose from. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Good thought, though. Ozzy Osbourne yeah. hanging out in that in the book. Yeah. He's, he's a, bit a big too, reader. He's too young, isn't he? He wouldn't have been... When was he born? Well, he would have, he would, he would have been here in, in the 60s, at the end of the book. Yes. Which is the, the, book, the, yeah. the house has been sold by then, hasn't it? Can't see Ursula abandoning her jazz records for... Black Sabbath, though, mate. No, I know. I agree. She's not really a metal fan. No, I don't think so. Shame. I like. I can the... imagine Morris being a metal fan. I think that's good. You see, because I was going to take you to a farm nearby called Mopes Farm, where Lewis Collins lived. Must have lived at about the same time. Oh, really? So you'd have you'd have so Lewis... Ozzy Osbourne here and Lewis Collins Lewis down Collins the road. Yeah. Lewis did Ozzy's hair. Oh, he was a hairdresser, he wasn't was. he? But this was good. Ozzy Osbourne, Lewis Collins, yeah, all good. around you, yeah. Britain writ large. Yeah, actually, do you know the other thing that was here? There's a poet, is he called Herbert Reed, I think he's called, um, lived in Sear Green as well. And uh, a regular visitor between the wars, T.S. Eliot. Oh, really? He wrote quite a lot of his old possum's books of cats oh, and wow. dedicated some of the poems to one of the residents here who was a cat lady. So we've got Sear Green around, to thank swings for and cats. Roundabouts. Huh? We've got swings and roundabouts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a cultural hub, isn't it? Hotbed. Well, it's heavy metal. Cats, notwithstanding, yes. Heavy metal cats. Yeah, I'd rather have war pigs than cats. <laughs> nice. The naming of cats is a difficult matter. It isn't just one of your holiday games. You may think at first I'm as mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. First of all, there's the name that the family used daily, such as Peter, Augustus, Alonzo, or James, such as Victor or Jonathan, George or Bill Bailey, all of them sensible, everyday names. There are fancier names if you think they sound sweeter, some for the gentlemen, some for the dames such as Plato, Admetus, Electra, Demeter, but all of them sensible, everyday names. I mean, I was born Catherine. I'm a Catherine, not a Kate. And I sort of gradually morphed into Kate through Katie and Kate. And I find what I do now, I use Catherine a lot, um, so that I sort of separate myself off from Kate Atkinson. OK, yes. So, 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 you know, she does all that stuff. She's the greatest living writer. I suppose <laughs> and Kate actually is. me. <laughs> but I guess when you're a top author like you are, Kate is the brand, really, isn't she? She's the person she that you have is. to sort of be kind to and, and have a Facebook for and, and come and do the fronting for. Yes, and she, does, she does all that on her own because I yes. don't go near my Facebook <laughs> or my Twitter or anything. Yes, there is a, there is a strange separation. Yes. Going back to what Kat said about research and facts, yeah. I think we're going to have to talk, Tim, mm-hmm. about trains. Of course we are. I'm looking forward to this. More explicitly about train lines. Okay. Uh, so what does the book say about where they live? They live near a station which is described as a halt. Hugh gets the train into Marlebone Station. Very important. He yep. doesn't get the train to Pannington. He gets into Marlebone Station. Ursula also gets the train to High Wycombe. Yes. For her secretarial college. So we are looking for a train that goes from into Marlebone and out to High Wycombe. Yes. That's fine. There is a line. 
There is. I know that line very well because I used to work at the um, National Film and Television School, which is in Beckersfield. So I used so to take that train it's all now, the time. It's now the Chilton Main Line. Yep. Um, and that line was built essentially at the end of the 19th century but as an extension to the GWR. It was a collaboration between uh, the Great Western Railway and a new a railway that was called the Great Central Line. Oh, okay. And I think she's got two lines confused here. Oh, Kate. So the Great Western Railway ran a line from Paddington up through up to High Wycombe and up to Oxford and then into Birmingham, and that was a, that was a new. We line. saw a train going to Birmingham. We did. Uh, the Marylebone Station was actually owned by the Great Central Line, and that re- and they ran a line that went from Marylebone all the way up to Yorkshire. Oh, uh, and that went out of London from Marylebone Station. Uh, on uh, basically on a shared line with the Metropolitan Line, right? Um, oh, okay. But you can't you can't get to Beaconsfield or High Wycombe on that line. So what they did is they built uh, a junction between the two things. They built a junction between. Uh, and you're going to tell the me Great you know Central when line, they did that. And that and that junction is is the line that all these stations are on. Oh, really? Yeah. So all the stations that we talked about, uh, Beaconsfield, Gerrard's Cross, it's on this, this this junction line that was a collaboration between the Great Central Line. Ah. Um, and uh, So that's all fine. There There is a line that goes from Sear Green and Jordan's, Denham, all those places, down into Marlborough. But when? That's, that, that's fine. The trouble is none of those stations were opened until, like, 1916. The line, it's the Marlborough station itself didn't open until 1899. Right. So we talked a little bit about the dating in terms of when Ursula yes. is born when we were out on the road. She's born in 1910. Pamela and Morris are already living in 1910. Hugh and Sylvie must have moved out to Fox Corner before then, presumably yes. because you could get a train into London. But you couldn't because there was no station there. There was no line there. And Marlebone Station was barely open. Right. Tut, so tut. That's, that's, that's not great. The other thing that's not great is that later on in the book she says that the station was closed by beaching. Yes, she does. Right. Well, we know it wasn't closed because we've been there. Uh, the line that was closed by Beeching was the Great Central Line. Oh, very good. And then it was reopened later on. Bits of it were reopened. And uh, the Great Central Line was the last line built in England, the last railway line built in England, until HS1. Well, what if she was right and we've just gone on the wrong line? Isn't there a station there? Because you can't get from Marlebone to, 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 uh, uh, to High Wycombe and Beckersfield gotcha. along that line. By going up the Great okay. Central Line, you have to go across this junction, and this junction didn't open until like 1916. Oh, so, it's, so, so the, the beaching thing is, is wrong. So I think she's got her lines mixed up. No, I, mate, think, she's I only, think she doesn't care. I th- I, well, I think she doesn't <laughs> care. Now, that's that's the, that's the first thing. So yeah. I, I kind of I kind of go, yeah, okay, this is not somebody who's interested in train lines. Yeah, well, um, I mean, we don't want to know. But her, there is another we? extraordinary scene. Which really got my gander up, Tim. Yes. Where Ursula gets into the engine with oh, Fred. yes. And he somehow manages to drive his train from <laughs> Buckinghamshire to King's Cross. Even I, who take very little interest in trains, read that with a slight incredulousness. I, uh, I, uh, of like, how do you do that then? Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got. So he reroutes, basically, we should say that Fred basically reroute, he's rerouted, isn't he, from going yeah. into Marylebone. Over to King's Cross because it's been bombed. Can't be done. And he, na- I, listener, look so out. Got, I'm holding out the third edition of the London Railway Atlas it's by quite, Joe Brown. Oh my God, it's quite. Um, I which, note that it's quite big. It also looks quite unread. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's got like the, I've only just bought it. I bought it for this book. I'm surprised you're here and aren't still just sitting at home reading it. Look, so look, it's got all the lines on it, and I and I, and <laughs> I followed I followed the lines. And clearly the historical lines to work out if you could get from basically a station in could Buckinghamshire you be on either the Great Central Line or yeah. the or the Great Western Railway. Can't Absolute nonsense, right? Can't be done. Completely fiction. You, it's like it's like a magical re- magic realism. <laughs> so well, that's a that's a very poor. She's getting two demerits from me on the trains. Yeah. One for the uh, location. Which line is this station even on? Yeah. And when did it open? And this 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 ridiculous jaunt across North London in a in a east west train just ridiculous. I'd give her a third demerit for just obviously not caring. Well, I don't mind writers some people who play would... games, having done the research and say, "Oh, I, I." But the idea that you just want your characters to end up in King's Cross, so you just say they yeah. are there. I have to I have to no say it, it was quite difficult figuring out all these different lines. It's not easy. So and I and I and I like trains. So <laughs> if if you're not bothered, then. 
and you're writing this in. I mean, she lives. Why in are Ed- you listening to this podcast? Well, she's born in York and she lives in Edinburgh. I don't know if she was living in Edinburgh when she wrote this. But well, uh, I'm not trusting her with my travel plans. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Lot of dogs in that book, haven't I? They always have a dog. They always have a dog. In the book, they do always have a dog. Different Sorry, dog. I'm just so excited. I can't. I'm blown away by where we are. Good. <laughs> what we've you just gone through. Tell the listener. In the last half an hour. Tell the listener. So we've we've been walking from Sear Green to Jordan's, which is the next village to Sear Green. Hence the station name Sear Green and Jordan's. And uh, we're walking into Jordan's, and we we cut. We cut down a footpath to the right, which went down the back of some houses. And we suddenly realised that what we were walking down was a path where the house... There's a scene in the book where Hugh is waiting at the back gate to go down to the station. So you can either walk to the station, presumably by the back gate, or you can drive to the station in Hugh's Bentley. And we realised we were walking down a path where there were about a dozen houses... Mm-hmm. that backed onto the path, all with back gates, at least half of which were the right era and the right style. And then we and then we realised that this footpath was actually a lane. It was called a lane. Wilton Lane. Wilton Lane in Jordans. So we're very excited at this stage because we're like... this. Really? Had, I mean, I said to you, this feels like the kind of place that Kate Atkinson might have walked down yeah. to get the picture in her head. Yeah. It really did feel like that. And then... So that was exciting enough. We made a little video because we were excited. A couple of kids. And then we walked um, back up the footpath to the other side of these houses uh, into this place called Crutch's Wood where we're standing now. And there's a, there's a memorial stone uh, at the, uh, on the corner yeah. of, uh, of, Cr- of Crutch's Wood. And it says, Crutch's Wood, MCM XXXIV, which you think is 1934. Oh, I think it is. Um, and it says, by the generosity of the first Baron Trent of Nottingham and also Henry T. Cadbury in memory of his uncle D.R. Hinkston Fox. <laughs> this part of the wood permanently reserved in trust as an open space. So there is a, a memorial <laughs> to cool. someone called Fox yeah. on the corner... Of Crutch's Woods. That's right. Down Copps Lane, those houses are. Copps Lane. Yeah. And you'd have you drive your Bentley down Copps Lane to get into the front of your house, and then you'd uh, go at your back gate and walk down to the station down Winton Lane. Yeah. And it, I can't tell you how well it fits. The vibe. I'm sort of surprised. The vibe is is really. I mean, is it, we we didn't really expect to stumble a you know we thought this was a pretty good candidate for mm. for the unnamed village in which they're living but actually coming here seeing the houses seeing how it all fits together with the station and now finding this i mean it's too good it's too good not to be right this is great jordan's cops lane wilton lane memorial to fox i just uh i think she must have been here why are you whispering because Kate might still be the spirit of Kate might be in there. I just think. Do you she, think she's listening? <laughs> I know damn well she isn't listening. She doesn't strike me as a podcast listener. And the minute she hears about this podcast, she'll go, "I'm not listening to that." <laughs> that rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. That was exciting, wasn't it? Now, I was going to say that. I was going to say exactly that. That was exciting, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We found a fox on a corner. We did. And we found a path with the right kind of houses along, alongside it with a road on the other side. I'm, I have to say I was extremely surprised because we've, we've already been, uh, I'd say, a bit rude about Kate Atkinson and her approach to precise about I think we should Which always... I apologise, but, you know, <laughs> this is what we're here for. <laughs> That's our job. That's our job. I can't help it. It ruins reading for us. <laughs> yeah, and for everyone else. Yeah. But be, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen to our podcast, have books spoiled. Um, I mean, I think she'd been down that footpath. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it was so on point. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely there. The train's notwithstanding. 
Yeah. Uh, I think she's been down that footpath. Oh, yeah. And no then question. finding that memorial stone in the corner to someone called Fox was... Uh, was Clever, right? Was, uh, I actually I don't know looked whether him that up. Was, uh, I looked him up. He was an uh, eminent sort of doctor. Yeah. I think he ended up being president of various sort of societies. Yeah. So he was he, he was quite a senior guy in the sort of 1910s, 1920s. He wasn't a psychiatrist by any chance, was he? No, I don't think he was. Oh, no, curses. afraid not. No. Curses. So we had so that was Buckinghamshire. So we've 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 done bucks. Well, and we and we found Fox Corner for you. I found Fox Corner. What what could you ask for? Well, you could you could ask for part 2, but uh you can't have it immediately unless you subscribe. Unless you why do you whisper when sometimes? Because I think it adds emphasis. <laughs> Does it not? Is it just annoying? <laughs> Unless you subscribe to Patreon. It's just annoying, isn't it? <laughs> but if you subscribe to Patreon, you can listen to part two straight away. It's there without now. Without ads. It's there now. Yeah, it's there waiting for you. And the second half, we're going to track down a number of locations in central London yep. that are key to the book. Yep. We're going to go and try and find Izzy's house. Yep. We're going to find the uh, nightclub where Jimmy likes to hang out. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're going to find the pub. In, with the final scene where Teddy is reunited with Ursula. With Ursula. Yeah. So there's lots so of good stuff coming in. There's lots of good stuff. There's a lovely little London, another World War Two London tour for you. Yeah. And there's, and there's, um, we've got added Hitler in part two, right? With added Hitler. <laughs> now, with added Hitler. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.